coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. A Danville, Virginia-based nonprofit includes a handwritten note in every bucket of supplies they deliver to disaster-stricken areas. God's pit crew has been kept busy by the wildfires and the tornadoes that have swept the southeast over the last several months. In this episode of Hometown Stories, one of those crew members sets down his chainsaw to tell us what he sees and what he hears in the days after a devastating event. Chris Childs is an immediate response coordinator for God's Pit Crew. He's a construction worker by trade, but a crew member by passion. We caught up with him while he was in Pembroke, Georgia, to help a family who lost everything to an EF3 tornado. Our conversation originally appeared on the WDBJ7 Plus digital news desk. Thanks so much for being with us today. No, no problem. Thank you. Um, Chris, just give us a sense of what happened in Pembroke and what you guys are seeing right now. I got you. Well, there was an EF3 tornado on the ground. You can see behind me, there was a home there. The only thing left standing is their safe room. Uh, the, the, the mother, two children were in the safe room when the storm came through and the father was on an appointment and couldn't get here uh, before. So I couldn't imagine going through what he's been through. But our crew is out here. We had to demo their house, uh, clear trees so they could get in and out of the property. But, uh, you know, we're working here. We're working at a few other sites. About 75 homes were affected. Uh, so we're doing tree work, tarping roofs, and gutting homes. That's a lot of work. And uh, just given the scene behind you, I, I can only imagine what that family is going through. What's it like? You know, you guys are among the first people who come in right after a situation like this. Um, what is it like for for your team and um, how do you go about tackling what seems I can imagine to be such an insurmountable task at times? I always tell our team we bring calm into chaos. This is where we live. This is what we do. Uh, this community's never been through anything like this. They don't know where to turn, how to take care of this. But we, like I said, we've done it before. So we just, uh, we, we prioritize number one needs down to number three. And we start with those that there's no way they can, they can help themselves. And uh, we just, just start working and, uh, and we keep continuing working until everything's done. And uh, Chris, how long do you anticipate that you guys will be in Pembroke for? Uh, right now, we're just scheduled for one week. I feel like we can uh, accomplish everything that we need to, and there won't be any unmet needs as far as cleanup when we leave. Um, 
if we feel like there is going to be more need, then we'll either stay longer or we'll make a return trip. In the days immediately following, you talked about those number one needs, which I assume is making sure people have a place to lay their heads at night, that they've got access to food and water, uh, toiletries. But in the you know day five or day six, what are those what are those needs look like? You know, when maybe people's attention isn't as plugged into the immediate aftermath, what are the needs that people still face? Most of the time, it's rooftop things of that nature, just trying to keep what they have. Uh, you don't need your home to be rained in multiple times. So if we can get a house tarped and covered up um, and then just making sure that they have whatever they need long term, uh, where they're going to stay. Uh, most of the time they've lost their clothing and toiletries and things of that nature. So God's big group provides those things as well. Can you give us a sense, Chris? I know you're kind of focused in one in Pembroke, but can you give us a sense of the, you know, the size of the destruction or, or sort of the context of it in that region? The tornado was uh, on the ground for a, for a pretty good while here. Um, it, it started out in a rural community, but then traveled into town and hit several subdivisions. Um, so there's a fair amount of work to, to still be done here. Now, I feel like over the last couple of months, God's pit crew, uh, which I should say, if you're just now joining us here on the digital news desk, my guest today is Chris Childs, immediate response coordinator with God's pit crew. It is a nonprofit based out of Danville, Virginia. Um, but it seems like lately uh, your your crew has been traveling quite often. Uh, Chris, tell me about some of the other disaster areas that you have responded to and some of what you've seen there. Uh, we, before we uh, before we came here, we were in Kentucky and Tennessee after the massive tornadoes ripped through Mayfield. Uh, that tornado was on the ground for 290 miles. Our volunteers were there for uh, five weeks, uh, two weeks before Christmas, three weeks after Christmas and New Year. Um, and now our teams are going to go back. I lead the immediate response, so I go in right after the storm, but our rebuild team is getting ready to start. And we're going to build four homes for families there that lost everything. Uh, that that was one of the worst tornadoes I have ever seen. What do you think? I mean, and I'm sure you've seen damage from a lot. What is it that made that one one of the worst that you had ever seen? Just the size being almost a mile wide in some areas and being on the ground for 290 miles and then going through the downtown area of, of Mayfield, Kentucky, seeing churches that have been there since the early 1900s and their courthouse completely destroyed uh it was just widespread uh impact it's the same thing here uh this is a smaller tornado but for the 75 families that were hit by this it's the exact same scenario that was just a, a lot of homes in kentucky and tennessee what is it like you you like you said you're the immediate response coordinator so you're going in in the first couple of days after uh, this has happened, if not the hours after that this has happened, how do you have to sort of prepare to go into a disaster zone like the ones that you have seen in Kentucky and Tennessee and in Georgia? We're always prepared. That's part of my role. And then we have volunteers that help as well. So as soon as we get back from here, from uh, Georgia, we'll prep everything again, refuel all the trucks, all the tarps, have all the chainsaws serviced, and as soon as something, uh, as soon as the town's affected, we are always ready to roll. I know you guys um, uh, are constantly putting together your blessing buckets. What would typically, when you hand out your blessing buckets, what are, what's inside the blessing buckets that volunteers back in Danville have put in there? 
Uh, there's everything that you would need to survive for a few days, water, uh, shelf-stable food, toiletries, um, towels, soap, shampoo, toothbrushes. And there's also a Bible, and then there's a handwritten note of encouragement. That, that's what a lot of folks need after this is just, just to know people care. Uh, it, when you feel like you lost everything, to know that there are people around the country that are praying for you, that are providing goods for you. It means a lot. That's what I hear all over the place, wherever we travel. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Chris, I'm sure you you give out a lot of blessing buckets and perhaps a lot of hugs, too, and those words of encouragement for people. What is it that people tell you immediately after they've been dealing with a disaster? What is it that they tell you when you guys respond? What are some of the things that stick with you about what they say? Oftentimes they say we didn't think anybody cared. And that's that's really sad to hear. Neighbors don't know neighbors. They'll live beside each other for 10 years. And when these things happen, they don't know where to turn. And people have lives, you know. They, a lot of folks say, well, their family will help them. Well, everybody's got, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. When they see these big red trucks come in, they have no idea where they're going to turn, how they're going to get this done, how they're going to pay for it. You see the weight lifted off of folks. And by the end, uh, they're usually laughing and, and uh, smiling. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. How does that make you feel whenever you you see that relief come off them? There's nothing like it. Uh, I had a really good job in construction. Could have made a lot of money, but I walked away from it 12 years ago uh, when I started volunteering doing this because there's no amount of money I could make. There's nothing I could do that fulfills me like this does. Just being used and uh, relieving folks when they when they have nowhere to turn. It's There's nothing like it. Do you ever get the sense sometimes in the days after, um, do you think that sometimes people ever feel forgotten as the days and the weeks and the months pass by? Often, oftentimes they do. Uh, that's why I love that God's pit crew doesn't just stop with the immediate response. We go back and we rebuild, um, you know, we do what our mission is to help folks that need help. It's, uh, it's an amazing organization to work for, and I'm thankful that the Lord's put me here. If there's one thing that you'd like people to take away from this conversation about what you've seen and responded to on the ground in Kentucky and Tennessee and right there in Georgia where you are today, if there's one thing that you'd like people to take away from what you're seeing and the response, what is it that you would like people to know? Get involved. Uh, so many folks that I talk to, they say, well, I don't know how to run a chainsaw. I don't know how to uh, run a piece of equipment. Please don't let that slow you down. Uh, this family behind me, everything that they owned is scattered through the woods behind their piece of property. The pictures of their kids when they were growing up, keepsakes, things like that. And it doesn't take a lot of skill just to walk through and pick things up, but it's life changing for these folks. And to sit and just let them tell their story. If you can sit and just sit, sit under one of our tents, spend time with somebody who just lost everything. Uh, we can use your help. You can go to godspitcrew.org to get involved. But please don't make excuses. We can use you, I promise. Is it uh, the the number, you said you've been with the organization for a while. You, the last couple of months, like we've mentioned, uh, you, you're responding to Georgia, Kentucky, and Tennessee took up a lot of resources, fires and tornadoes in Texas. I know you guys put together some supplies for Ukrainian refugees. Do you feel like yeah. the last six months have been busier than normal, or is this typical pace for God's pit crew? Uh, it's been a little bit busier, but the but the Lord's blessed us. We're continuing to grow, and uh, we're able to meet the needs. It's amazing just to see. Uh, we keep thinking, you know, how are we going to respond? And we're always able to. So through all the prayers and the support from everyone around the nation, 
and the volunteer uh, base growing, uh, we've been able to keep up. Uh, lastly, Chris, if there are people who are watching, we've got Glenda on the line who says prayers for you all. Um, you know, if people are watching and they say, well, maybe I can't do what Chris does. I, I maybe can't go to Georgia with a chainsaw, but I'd like to do something. Um, how would you encourage people not only here in our hometowns, but maybe who may be watching from outside of our hometowns in Southwest Virginia? How might they be able to support what you guys are doing on the ground? Uh, financially, it, it costs a lot to do what we do, if I'm honest with you. Uh, with diesel prices as high as they are, sending tractor trailers all over the country, food prices are going up. Uh, we, you know, we could definitely use donations, and all that's available on our website. We make it real easy. Just go to godspitcrew.org, and you can donate there and help families like the Gunters that are right behind me that just lost everything they own. My guest today on the Digital News Desk has been Chris Childs, Immediate Response Coordinator for God's Pit Crew, which is based out of Danville, but is often on the move, regionally responding to disasters. Currently, they are in Pembroke, Georgia. Chris, thank you so much for giving us your firsthand perspective here on the Digital News Desk. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.